Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is the CEO of Moises AI, Geraldo Ramos. First of all, how many videos do you think are on YouTube? Well, YouTube is 20 years old now, and it's only gotten faster and better over the years. Believe it or not, it's the number two most visited site on the internet, the first being Google, which owns YouTube. So there are 1 billion videos across 37 million channels on YouTube. 1 billion. And 1 billion videos are watched every day on YouTube by about 122 million people. And that averages out to 19 minutes a person. Games are huge with more than 100 billion hours of gaming videos that are watched on the platform every year. The most popular videos in terms of monthly views are music videos and kid-friendly content. But there's a lot of other types of content that people really like. For instance, video commentaries where people just give their thoughts and comments on a subject. Product reviews people really like. Tutorials or how-to videos. Top lists, like top 10 lists. Everybody loves those. Comedy, because people like to laugh. Reaction videos are very popular. Narrative videos, asthma, sports, docu-series, educational videos, Q&As, challenges, and interviews. These are all popular categories on YouTube. Now, the thing about it is, everybody wants their video to go viral, and that's harder and harder to do, but you do want some people to find it and enjoy what you're doing. How do you do that? Well, the higher the quality and the more unique your video content is, the better the chance you have for gaining subscribers and those very critical watch hours that help you get shared revenue for the platform. That said, it also takes a lot of persistence and patience and effort and time and really when it comes down to it, a passion for what you do in order to get subscribers and those critical video views. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that my new Musician's AI Handbook is now available. It's packed with information about how AI can help you with new song, lyric, mixing, and mastering ideas, as well as music marketing to help you get your music out to the audience that you deserve. To get your copy, go to bobbyosinski.com forward slash AI Handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. Now, who would pay $40,000 for a guitar amp? And not a vintage amp like a Dumble or a Fender Bassman, but a brand new amp. Well, of course, a Dumble or a Fender Bassman or an old Marshall, they're kind of like holy grails for guitar players. But maybe if you have a lot of money burning a hole in your pocket, you might consider a Jens Ritter Encore amp. But it's going to set you back $40,000, and it will take six to seven months for you to get it. Who's Jens Ritter? Well, he's a guitar player, he's an industrial designer, and he's an artist based in Germany. He's crafted avant-garde guitars for Prince and Lady Gaga, George Benson, Nile Rodgers, Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead, Sammy Hagar, and so many other major artists. And not only that, his creations are really considered works of art, and they're collected by major museums like the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, and the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, among others. So why is this amp worth $40,000? 
Besides being a work of art, it was designed to be the pinnacle of guitar amps with the sound based on the Dumble Classic and the 59 Fender Bassman. It has a totally unique design that sort of reminds you of a 1960s car. Of course, it's hand-wired with point-to-point construction and uses only the best components, but it does have some cool other features like hand-selected tubes that are encased in ice matte 18 karat white gold covers and knobs that are set with blue sapphires. There are two channels that can be separate or mixed and two different 12-inch speakers that can be used either individually or combined with an output of 58 watts of power. Now, the reason why Ritter built this amp is because there's going to be some upcoming EU restrictions against vacuum tubes. And that means that the day of the tube guitar amp, or at least the new tube guitar amp, is going to be truly over. So if you're in the market for a guitar amp that could also be a museum piece and you have some very deep pockets, the Jens Ritter Encore might be the amp for you. My guest this week is co-founder and CEO of Moises AI, Geraldo Ramos. Moises is an AI-driven application that enables musicians to separate their tracks into stems, identify chords, adjust tempo or pitch without affecting other musical elements, and refine their audio of professional mastering, among a host of other features. Another relatively new feature is Voice Studio, which serves as a marketplace for AI-powered voice modeling, allowing vocalists to monetize their own voice models to other music makers. Geraldo invented Moises when he was looking for a better way to practice his drums by playing the drums to songs he liked without hearing the original drummer. During the interview, we spoke about interesting uses for source separation, how source separation AIs are trained, why some producers are developing private voice cloning models, the reason why AI resolution isn't higher, where AI music is going, and much more. I spoke with Geraldo from his office in Los Angeles. Let's start with you first. I want to hear about your background and how you came into the music business. Yes, of course. So I, I've been like passionate about music my entire life. I played the drums. So that's how, you know, I started my, uh, my passion for music. I used to have a studio back in Brazil. I'm originally from a city called Recife in the Northeast of Brazil. Uh, that's where I grown up. Um, and then since a young kid, I used to do, you know, like a little drums and, and, you know, with, with like little, you know, old school, like plates and things like that. So I, I grown up, like really enjoying drums, but I'm also a technologist. That's a, my other passion. Um, since like 13, I, I had a computer. I, I was doing web hosting at the time as a teenager. Uh, that was kind of my pro- early profession. Um, so I grown up like really loving those two things, technology and music. Um, and that's how, uh, you know, I started, but for, for most of my career, I actually work in technology. Uh, as I said, I used to have this web hosting company in Brazil, that company lasts for like 10 years. I started out of high school with some friends, um, in 2012, I moved to the U S after that company was sold. Um, I moved to the U S to New York at the time. I started another business back then it was called hack hands was not related to music it was a platform for developers to get real time help. Um, so that's, that's my first company in the U S so that company did well, we ended up selling to a company here in Utah, where I'm based now, um, called Pluralsight. That company was, um, um, was sold to this company in Utah. So, uh, so I moved to Utah as part of that deal. Um, and after that company, that's when, you know, I, I was finally able to join both of my passions in, in one venture. 
uh, in 2019, that's when I started you know, my journey at Moises. Initially, it was a, a pet project, a side project that I did on my own. I'm a developer myself. So it started with soul separation only. Um, and, and that kicked off you know, uh, the business that we have today. Uh, fast forward like five years, we now have 40 million users. So, but it started as a pet project of, of, my, of mine. Well, let's talk about Moises then and how that got started and just the evolution from the beginning to where it is now. Yeah, so I think the evolution was like, uh, let's, you know, back to 2019. Um, at that time, AI was definitely a thing, but wasn't like as deep and crazy as it, it is today, right? ChatGPT was still in the early days. Nobody knew. Actually, ChatGPT wasn't even there yet. Um, so it was like the early days of AI. And at the time, you know, a lot of like researchers were like releasing some new models on the soul separation helm. I don't know if you're familiar. Of course, I'm pretty sure you are a splitter. Uh, mm-hmm. that was, you know, released by the guys at Deezer. And that's what kickstarted my project, right? I was like, okay, I'm a drummer. I'm always looking for like drumless tracks so I can play along. And then I came across uh, the Deezer model. And at the time it was really focused on researchers. They didn't have a UI or anything like that. So Moise was like basically the first UI for that model. So basically I created that, you know, solution over the weekend as a, as a pet project, as I said. And it was crazy. A lot of people, the interest for that type of technology was incredible. The first week we had 50,000 users like using it. Um, and I was like, well, it's clear that there's a huge opportunity when it comes to the emerging AI field with music. And I decided to go 100% on that and then start a business out of that. And then slowly we evolved. We started our own research team, start developing our own algorithms on the source separation field, move out from the open source to our own models, start creating new models like court detection, beat detection, sections of songs, and a lot of different things to support the, you know, our users. And in the beginning, it was very consumer uh, focused for musicians, producers. But as of now, we're also doing B2B. We have an API where other companies can use all of our models um, in a programmatic manner. So that's kind of how the, the, the business evolved over time from a consume, purely consumer musician app to more of an AI platform for music. How would you describe your customer? So the, the average customer for Moise is someone who is looking to practice music uh, on the consumer side, right? Like let's focus on that because that's where we have over 40 million users. That's more of a, our biggest uh, play at the moment is the consumer app. So on Moise's app, we have most of people are different levels, right? We have musicians of any level. We have someone who just bought a guitar and is just trying to play some tunes. And we have the professional world-class touring artist that's that wants to play along with their songs. I think Moises has a is a really good platform to, for practice because you can upload any song and we do soul separation for every instrument. We do chord detection, we do beat detection. We, we have a suite of like um, tools, AI tools that help for practice and bands use that to to share like this set list between you know members. Um, and I would if I have to pick one group, I would say people who needs to. Uh, to practice music. I think that's kind of the, the average user. But of course, we have a, a lot of different use cases, right? We have movie makers that want to, that's not related to music, that want to remove, you know, uh, vocal from a particular track for like editing video. We have producers who use Moises to separate tracks to do, you know, remixes and things like that. Uh, we have a, a lot of like different use cases, but the primary one on the Moises app, I would say, is the practice use case. I know that one of the applications for sound separation in Hollywood here is feature films, especially when they're reissued 
and maybe they can't relicense the music or it's too expensive, so they have to remove it, and that's, you know, one way they do it. But, you know, with the industrial strength sound separation tool, that's a market that would be perfect. Yes, exactly. And that's, and then we learned quickly that a lot of people are using voices as, uh, as something outside the music. We had like, for example, uh, a radio channel in Japan was using exactly to, to what you described. They were using voices. Someone was putting the songs, uploading, so separating to do that, to remove the songs because they want to move to digital and they didn't have the license to, to play that, those songs on digital. So using voices um, in a suboptimal way because voices was not designed to to B2B, right? Like didn't have an API. And that's examples like that, that made us realize that, you know, the opportunity is much bigger when we go to the API world. And that's why we recently launched our B2B umbrella, which is called music.ai that hosts all the models. For separation, we have a new model that's called cinematic that separates the dialogue effect and music from the source. So it's specific for movie. So basically you put a song and then you can get the dialogue separate from the music, background music and the effects too like clapping and car crashes, anything like that. So that model is, is making a lot of success right now, you know, for, for movie makers, um, very good model. And that's that one is available only on the music AI side. It's not for Moises because Moises is our musician-focused platform. And we try to separate the things now. Moises is very focused on the producer and musician, and music AI is where we host all the models and have things more suitable for like companies and developers who want to incorporate AI solutions in their workflow. Which feature is the most used? Is it separation? Yes, separation is, is as of now, you know, the, the most used feature on the Moises side. Uh, on the music guy side, it is also the, the separation is, is the one that businesses also use the most. But we're, some others are catching up, like for example, voice cloning or voice synthesis, whatever you, you prefer to, to call these technologies, is also becoming very popular. We have a product on Moises side that's tailored to producers that we call Voice Studio. We train uh, 12 models from you know different singers back in Brazil and also in the US, where we trained uh, with really high quality microphone and setup over 20 hours of each of each uh, singer. And it created these 12 models that anyone can go and use Hoyt free. And we have a very musician favorable uh, model. Uh, so basically we have this package where anyone can go buy a package for like Anna, which is one of our models, right? And this is not the real name of the singer. The singer is like more of a ghost, but every time that a model is sold, the singer gets like 100% in the first year. So we are really focused on, on helping out and create this marketplace of like singing um, models. Um, and that's go going really well too. We're, we're selling a lot of those and um, the feature is being used by a lot, not yet at the same level as music separation, but uh, I would say the second, close second would be you know, voice synthesis uh, solutions. One of the things that I keep on hearing from songwriters, professional songwriters, is they're really interested in voice synthesis because if they want to pitch a song to, let's say, Taylor Swift, they'd rather have a vocalist that sounds like Taylor Swift because they have a better chance of then selling the song. So uh, that's become really hot with pro, and, and I'm talking about high-end pro songwriters. Yes, uh, you know, the... the the use cases for these are becoming more apparent. Like demo for sure is, is the biggest one as of now, but we go even further. Like we have some producers that are actually working with their singer to actually create the private model just for that singer. So on the Taylor Swift, for example, imagine if the main producer say, hey, can we leverage your model like on this private capacity where we can, you know, give you some ideas, new, new productions with your voice that only us can interact. 
for demo purposes, right? Like we've seen this, we did this for a Brazilian um, artist. So like the demo could happen with the actual voice of the artist, if, if the producer gets rights for that, right? But also with a similar artist that we have available in our platform. So both cases we're seeing are becoming very interesting ones, you know, for, for demo purposes. I think that's the biggest one as of now. Mm -hmm. But we see advertisement too. Like we have a few companies that, you know, now they can go to the customer with like 10 different singers, like pick the one you think is like more interesting for you. And then, you know, it, it speed up the process of production by a lot. So I think it's a lot of opportunity there. Let's talk about source separation for a second. Am I wrong with this or is the number of stems, is it limited to five? I mean, now we are like doing way more. Like in the beginning, it was... Um, so basically the ones that are easier to separate are vocals, drums, bass, and then other, which is like just the, you know, the the the, other, the, the leftover of this tree, right? This kind of, we call the bass model. And then we have like other models that are like focus on, a, on another stem. We have guitars, we have wind. Wind, by the way, is something that we just released today. So it's a very new one that you can separate, you know, saxophones and, and things like that. Um, and then we have guitars, strings, wind, I think are those three. Those are separate models that we do five stems. On Moises, that's all you can do. Like the max you can do is like five stems. But if you go to Music AI, where you have more, you know, detailed, like advanced features to the API, you can actually create a workflow that separates and create just seven, eight stems. And that's available on the, our VST plugin already. So on the Moises traditional app, we're, we're limited to five stems. But if you go, if you download the VST plugin that we released recently, it already supports more stems that can combine the wind and strings, for example. If the song you were working on have both, you can, you know, have uh, one separation that will do all instruments in one separation. One of my subscribers, we got into a conversation about this, and he said, I really wish there was a sound separation tool that could separate out the sections of a choir. And I would think that would be pretty difficult, actually. Yes, we see that a lot. We see that a lot. But yes, I think I think it would be really difficult, but we have one model that can separate vocals from background vocals. We can't go separate the entire, you know, thing, but as of now, we have a model that can separate at least the main vocal, the lead vocal, and the rest. And that could be very useful for, for a bunch of different things, right? Like uh, I see people using this for spatial audio because they can use the, you know, background vocal to create some, you know, interesting um, effects using spatial, but also karaoke, you can keep the background vocal, and then you have like the original background vocal as you sing. So this model is already available and it's a popular one, but to separate the entire thing in a very complex setup, I think would be a very complex model, but we're researching. Uh, it's definitely something that's very popular. A lot of people ask for that. I saw, and this isn't a feature that seems to be very prominent, but there's a mastering feature as well, right? Right, yes, we have the mastering feature. It is something that's more like secondary at the moment, but we, we still have a lot of users on that feature. A lot of people enjoy our, our mastering solution. The one that we have today is a reference mastering solution. So basically you put a reference file and then it will try to do a master that will be similar to that reference. I think that's the best way to do it though. The one, every one I've played with mastering either as an app or online, I definitely got much better results with the reference track than without it. I agree because then, you know, if, if you don't have a reference, then it's like you don't have control over what the, the AI model will do for you. And I'm sure that mastering requires some direction, right? Like in terms of control, how we want this to sound. I know some companies who have like different flavors, right? Like we have the low, the high, um, but then it's still not, you can't like define 
into detail how you want the master to sound. So I think the, the best is the reference file. I think it's a, it's a good way to, to do mastering. Let's talk about resolution, because it seems like with any music-related AI that the resolution sort of tops out at 44.116. Yes. So for the source separation, yes, it is at that, at that resolution at the moment. But we are already doing experimentation to go to 48 on the separation, because that's surprisingly, it's a, it's a feature that a lot of producers um, are requesting. On the, on the voice cloning side, voice synthesis, we already provide 48 for the results. So the cell separation is something that we want to do. The, the challenge is that we need the, you know, the training data that we license also has to be everything in 48. And as of now, we have some in 44, some 48. So in order to train the model, we need to do some changes in order to, to create a model that's 48, right? Um, but that's definitely something that we are working on. Uh, let's talk about copyright for a second. Who owns the copyright when they use Moises? What feature you, you're talking about? Like, um, uh, the source separation? Okay, let's start oh, there. Oh, the voice cloning. Um, well, the, those are, the separate, yeah, I know, they're different. Let, let's talk about separation. So for, for source separation, like we operate as a, as a tool, like a Photoshop. You have the ability to put any song, could be any MP3, any file, right? What you do with the output that we provide is 100% on the user. If they go and release that song, they have to do the clearances on, on release, uh, on things like that. Basically, it's just like a plugin or a tool that we use for any audio, right? So we don't handle um, copyright for the user on the soul separation side. It's, it's a suite of tools that anyone can upload any song. What they do with the output, then it's on them to do the clearances if they want to release that as a separate song and things like that. Because we don't provide songs, right? Like it's not something that we do. We don't have a catalog of music for people to pick from. And as far as voice studio, so I would imagine that the copyright of the voice, well, name, image, and, image, and likeness anyway, is of the original artist, right? So here's the thing. On the voice studio, we have a very permissive license. So basically, we did a deal with the artists where they don't show up. Nobody knows who they are. The voice is, is, is I mean, it, it, it clones the timbre of the voice, right? The performance is still dependent on whatever input you put on voice studio. So the way that the our model works is that like it's a royalty-free um, use that anyone can go select one of the AI models and use for anything with no restrictions, except of course illegal activities like using to you know the, those sort of things. But to use in a production, to use in a movie, no restrictions at all. So in our case, it's a very permissive um, license because like there is no way to we're just cloning the timbre, right? Like it's not like you can. First of all, we don't even know who is the the person right behind that voice. Because we do some processing, we we do. There is a way to know. So the voice is basically, you know, we're, we're licensing the timbre, not the actual singer, if it makes sense. So that's kind of the approach that we're taking at Moises. Um, and then with the artists that actually provide the timbre, donate the timbre, they get recurring revenue from from all the packages of voices that their voice has been sold. So it's something that is working really well, and we plan to include more voices this year. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that because more variety is certainly better. Yes, absolutely. And people have been asking for like different type of timbers that are tailored to like specific cameras. So this is something we're definitely evolved this year. In addition to the private model, which is something that we don't offer today open in the wild. We are doing this on, on a you know individual basis with some producers, but this is definitely something we want to open up to everyone. The ability to train your own model. You know, you go upload the samples and we train and then we can use as part of one of the models available in Voice Studio. We're doing that for some artists and producers, 
and tweaking and improving everything. And later this year, we plan to, to have that available for everyone. Tell me about where you see music AI going. We're very early into it. How do you see it evolving? I think the, the answer would be in a variety of different ways. <laughs> I think there is so much opportunity in this field. We're doing a, a lot of different things. And of course, it's still TBD, which ones are actually going to to evolve the fastest, right? So separation definitely is one thing, but voice cloning is evolving so many different directions, film, production, different areas. We also have other, you know, uh, technologies coming up. Like for example, music generation is something that we are working on, the ability to generate music from a prompt, which can also evolve in different ways. So our mindset is to actually research everything that relates AI and music and develop what, what makes sense for our community and release as we go and go from there. We don't have like a defined path, but you know, the goal is to actually do a lot of like music AI in all different aspects of it um, and make it available to users to, to use uh, and be fast doing that. Right? Uh, our idea is to be agile when it comes to training to, you know, to use. We want to reduce as much as we can that, that path. I've tried a lot of text to music AIs, most of the major ones for sure. And what I've found is they don't work exactly like everybody thinks. So the general perception is you'll put something in and say, well, going back to Taylor Swift, make a song like Taylor Swift and pick the hit. And the perception is it's going to spit something out like that. And it doesn't work like that. It takes a lot of time to actually come up with something that works well. So uh, I think one of the things that has to happen is the tempering of expectations on exactly how this works. Yes, I think like there, there are a lot of like solutions doing uh, instrumental, right? Like you actually talk more about the vibe of the song. Like I want something that's kind of chill um, and has those, those instruments. And for, for, for like a background song for like a video or elevator music, I think we are at a state that's kind of usable. But if you want an actual song with vocals, etc., like a full song that's kind of well done, I think we're so far. We have one, I don't know if you played with Suno.ai. Yeah. It's one that I think is the is the the one that's like more developed. Like you can actually do things that are very impressive in different languages too. Like, and then they do the vocals. Uh, of course, it's not like production ready, the output, but it's at this point, I think is the most compelling one that I came across. Have you came across any other that you test? Well, they all have the same basic problem. I like Aiva for production music, let's say. And especially things that are more orchestral oriented, it seems to do a really good job. But again, if you want something very specific, it takes longer to get than you're led to believe it's going to take. Yes. And I agree with you. In, in our approach, it would be very different. We don't want to do, hey, create this song for me completely, right? We want to focus more on the collaboration between the producer, musician, and the AI, not just like, an explanation, then the full song comes. So we're experimenting with things like, here's a, here's a drums, like create like a baseline for this or things like that. More to work as a session musician that you can guide and direct as opposed to a, a full orchestra that you just tell what you want and then they create everything. So we're, our research is more focused on that collaboration. Maybe create a drum, a drum track for this song. And then this song that you upload doesn't have a drum and they I go and Listen to that song and, and that song and create a drum track. Things like that, I think, are more interesting for a producer than creating a full song. That what we're gonna do with that after, right? Like, 
I think the the full song creation is useful for non-producers. Yeah. Someone who just want to create like something fun or put in a video or like uh, something like that. But for producer, how does that help help the producer if you just like tell the AI and then create the song? Just the prompt engineering. Uh, I think I th- we're seeing it in a way that I think we can create something that would be more useful for producers to be creative and leverage this technology in their favor. We're really only a year into this. Obviously, you've been doing this since 2019, so it's it's different for you. But in terms of the public perception, Music AI is a year old. How has that evolved from last year at this time to the way we are this time? What's the perception? What's the difference? I think it everything just speed up in a way that's kind of unprecedented, I think, like in the past year, as you said. I think the last year has been everything AI and music is not different, right? Like music just got a lot of impact. I think, again, I agree with you. I think we're still in the early days. It's just the beginning. It's already pretty crazy, but uh, I think it's just the beginning. And the, and the pace is just like incredible. Every day there is a new model. There is a new research team that's doing something interesting. So if, I, I don't know exactly where we're going because it's just like so much going on. But I think the pace will continue to accelerate. I think next, next year will be another wave of like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we're... We're in a, in a inflection point, I would say. Let's go back to source separation for a second. I'm just curious, and you don't have to give me any secrets or anything, but how is that trained as compared to like a, a large language model? So the source separation is trained with samples of songs already separated. So we have like a network of, of studios that we work with that, you know, represent indie artists. So we license everything. Uh, everything that we train, the source separation model is licensed with these uh, producers that provide us the, the full song, right? Mm-hmm. So basically we have, for every song, we have the, whatever we want to separate, we have to have samples of that thing already separated. So as long as we can get thousands of hours of this, we can train the model to perform better, right? More data, the better we can make the model. To, to respond to your question, we just need samples of songs already separated. You know, the drums isolated and everything, and then we can train the model to perform the same task. Last question, Geraldo. Since you've been doing this for quite a while, your response is different from a lot of people, I'm sure. But what's the best piece of advice that maybe either you learned along the way or somebody imparted to you? So I think in our situation, the best advice I would say to someone working on the AI music field is to actually become an AI company and try to get early into the actual training and development research of models, as opposed to, you know, act as a, as just a, you know, using models that are, doesn't belong to them. You know what I'm saying? Like ChatGPT. I think at this point in time, I think that there, there are a lot of opportunities for companies to become AI first. Uh, so I, I see a lot of like companies that are just like trying to put together a product as opposed to actually doing the underlying research and become an AI-driven company. So I think everyone starting a business this in this field, I would say it's very important to start doing that early. In the case of Moises, I think it paid off because like in the beginning, we're just a technology company, not an AI company, right? We we're using open source models. And then that transition, I think, helped us a lot to actually have control over the models we create, have more like innovation capacity. So I think it's very important to, to companies to actually start doing that early. And for Moises, it was very important to do that. You can find out more about Geraldo and Moises at Moises.ai. That's Moises, M-O-I-S-E-S dot A-I.
Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. You can also learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, where you can find an Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyoinnercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time.